Would you stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of James chapter number 1 and verse 22. We're also going to read out of Mark chapter 6. All right, James chapter 1 this morning. James chapter 1 and verse number 22. This is the foundation uh, scripture for the uh, current series that we are in. James writes and he says, but be doers of the word. Say doers. doers. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And then let's look over in the book of Mark, chapter number 6. The book of Mark, chapter 6. Let's begin reading with verse 30. This is one of my very, very favorite uh, passages of Scripture because it is absolutely loaded with sermon material, teaching material, preaching material. So if you write in your Bible, you know, pastor preached here in this day, you better write small because I like to visit this uh, passage quite often because there's so much, so much there. Mark chapter 6 verse 30 says, Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. Jesus said to them, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. How many know a preacher's too busy when he don't have time to eat? So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. Say by themselves. But the multitude saw them departing, and many knew him and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place and already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding uh, country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. Jesus answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said to Jesus, they said, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and in fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves, and gave them to his disciples to set before them, and the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up twelve baskets full of fragments and of the fish. Now, those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. Father, I thank you for your infallible, your incredible, your life-changing miracle word. God, I just pray today, Lord, that the anointing of the Holy Spirit will rest upon the message and upon the messenger, Lord, today. God, give us ears upon our heart. May we hear what the Spirit would say unto the church today. God, I pray that we would not only be hearers, but we would also become doers of your word. Father, we ask all of these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. Lord. And you can be reseated. 
this morning. Well, James and Nike seem to have the same slogan, just do it. Turn to your neighbor and say, just do it. Say it with some attitude. That is the series that we are in at this time. In this series, we are talking about some things that we should start doing and some things that we should stop doing. Today's message is stop making excuses. You know, America has become an excuse-driven society. No one seems to want to take responsibility for anything today. We have an excuse for everything. Matter of fact, matter of fact, there's even a company that sells excuses. You just tell them your situation and they will develop an excuse for you. Just for a little bit of fun this morning, I want to share some actual excuses that have been given for traffic accidents as compiled by the uh, certain insurance company. Now, these were copied word for word from accident report forms. Here's one. A pedestrian hit me and then slid under my car. I like this one. I pulled away from the side of the road, glared at my mother-in-law, and then headed over the embankment. Here's one. The pedestrian had no idea which direction to go, so I ran over him. Here's one. The guy was all over the, all over the road. I had to swerve a number of times before I hit him. And then here's my favorite. I was on the way home from the doctor with rear end trouble. When my universal joint gave way, causing me to have the accident. Funny, funny. Well, let's take a look at uh, our scripture for today. It's one of my favorites. I've already said that because, because it, it just has just a, a ton of preaching and teaching material. But so many, so many lessons that we can learn from this one story. But the lesson that I want us to learn today, I want us to learn about excuses. In this story about Jesus feeding the 5,000, feeding the multitude, probably 15,000, 20,000 because they only counted the men. And so you count the women, the children, probably, probably 15,000, 20,000 people. And when we read this story, and by the way, you need to read all of the accounts from all of the Gospels in order to get the entire story. But in this story, the disciples come up with three excuses why feeding 5,000 hungry families with just five, five barley loaves of bread and two fish is simply impossible. But Jesus demonstrated to them why you shouldn't tell somebody something can't be done while they are in the middle of doing it. All right, let's take a quick look at the three excuses the disciples gave Jesus for why what, what he wanted done was simply impossible. What I also want us to understand this morning is that these excuses are still used a lot today. 
Excuse number one, we can't do it here. We can't do it here. Verse number 35, the disciples said to Jesus, this is a deserted place. Lord, they say, they say, it can't be done here. Just take a look, Jesus. Take a look at where we are. This is a desert. Uh, oh, oh, maybe if we were in the city, maybe we could pull this off. But, but look where we're at, Lord. We're in the desert. It cannot be done Lord, look around. We're in the we're in the desert. There's no there's no grocery stores out here, and Domino's Pizza won't deliver way out here. Jesus, we can't do it here. Now, if that excuse is not enough on its own, let me let me share three mini excuses to go with this major excuse. And the first one is the place. The place is too difficult. We can't do it here because the place is too. Difficult, as I've already said, this is a desert for crying out loud. A desert is a difficult place. Let me ask you this morning, have you ever used this excuse for not doing something? I don't know about you this morning, but it just seems to me like that God has always called me to difficult places. I mean, it began with our very first ministry, and I, uh, I know I talk about it quite a bit. It's because it is so absurd and so ridiculous, but my wife and I were married at the age of 17 and began pastoring a church at the age of 17. Can you imagine the wisdom that oozed out of that pulpit from that 17-year-old pastor? <laughs> our first ministry assignment it was when we were only 17 years old. Our assignment was to, was to pastor a little church in a small, sleepy town in Oklahoma. We had 13 our first Sunday, nine little widow ladies and two kids and my wife and I. Another assignment God gave us was a few years later, and that was to pastor a church that had just split. And so we got the assignment of picking up the pieces few years later, our assignment was to pastor a church where the pastor that was just retiring had pastored for 40 years. 40 years they had the same pastor. Most of the people in, the, in that church, they had been baptized by that pastor. They had been married by that pastor. Their kids had been uh, uh, dedicated by that pastor. All they knew for 40 years was that pastor. And now, and now our assignment is to come in and to follow a man after 40 years. And the man was not leaving the community. Another assignment God gave to us in our 45 years of ministry was to plant a church from scratch. Going to a community my wife and I had never been in our entire life, starting with just our family of four. And may I tell you that our Arlington assignment wasn't exactly a piece of cake in the beginning. But here's what I've come to know. Here's what I have learned. And that is no place is too difficult if God leads you to it. Somebody said where God guides, he provides. No place is too difficult if you simply pray and then obey. I don't know this morning, but perhaps somebody is here today and God has called you to a task. But you have looked around at the task and you've said, I can't do it here. I can't do it here. Oh, oh, if only I were somewhere else. Oh, it could be done somewhere else, but it cannot be done here. 
That's an excuse. Let me ask you this this morning. Is God different over there than he is over here? Let me ask you this this morning. Is one place harder than another? And maybe so, but God is the same. The disciples said, we can't do it here. And here's why. The place is too difficult. But not only is the place too difficult, they went on to say the people are too many. John chapter 6 and verse 9, the same story. The disciples said, Lord, there's a lad here that has five barley loaves and two small fish. But watch this. But what are they among so many? Lord, there's just too many people and not enough provision. Jesus, we can't do it here because the place is too difficult. The people are too many and the problem, the problem is too big. Verse 37, Jesus said to the disciples, you feed them. And they replied, with what? Lord, we would have to work for months in order to earn enough money in order to buy enough food for all of this vast number of people. Lord, we can't do it here. The problem is just too big. The need is just too great. Have you ever used that excuse? I was thinking back this past week and counting up a little bit in my mind, and, and I have raised, I've raised $2 million in my ministry for new church buildings and, and for missions. $2 million. Cash, I've raised it. I'm not talking about it dead. I'm talking about money raised. And I've had people tell me, Pastor, what you are trying to do is simply impossible. And my standard answer is, did I not call this a miracle offering? Hey, I was thinking back this week, the missions offering at at this church, the first month I was pastor was $350. $350 is what came in for missions the first month I served this church as pastor. This past year, our church gave $440,000 to missions. That's $36,666 a month, starting with $350. Listen, I guarantee you that if I had said 14 years ago, this church is one day going to give $440,000 to missions in one year, I'm sure people would have said, what kind of dope are you smoking, Pastor? (laughs) We can't do it here. Oh, you might have done it out there in West Texas, but you can't do it here. We can't do it here, but we are doing it here. Let me just prophesy to you this morning and tell you that we will give over half a million dollars to missions in the next year, two, three years. Who knows? Who knows? The day might come. I'm believing for it. Who knows? The day might come when our church, say our church, not somebody else's church, not some, you know, some mega church, our church. I believe it's in my heart. I believe it's in my spirit. I believe that one day our church, there's going to come a day when our church is going to give $1 million to missions in one year. 
But it will never happen if we have the excuse we can't do it here. Turn to your neighbor and say, just do it. (laughs) Say, stop making excuses. All right, I want us to notice the second excuse the disciples gave as to why they could not feed the multitude. They said, we can't do it now. Not only can we not do it here, we cannot do it now. Verse 35, the disciples said to Jesus, it's already getting late. Lord, the timing is wrong. Have you ever used that excuse? Here's what I know this morning. That is, if you are waiting for perfect timing, you'll never do anything. Oh, we are notorious for saying things like, you know, once, when, once we get the kids raised, we get the kids out of the house, I'll get them off of the payroll, or, or you know, if I just get that promotion, or once I get that raise, or, or when my ship comes in. We can't do it now, we say, because the timing is just not right. The disciples said to Jesus, we can't do it now, and here's two reasons to support our excuse. Number one, we waited too long. Yeah, we waited too long. Verse 35 again, the hour is getting late. Lord, 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 if only we had started sooner, maybe, maybe we could have, perhaps we could have, but we can't do it now because we simply waited too long. I don't know this morning, perhaps that's the excuse that you are using for not being involved in the work of the Lord. I can't do it now. I waited too long. I'm too old now. Hear me this morning, you're never too old to do something for God. I said, you're never too old to do something for God. Oh, if you're too old to go, you aren't too old to give so somebody else can go. If you're too old to do the actual work, you are not too old to encourage somebody that is doing the work. Anybody can can send a card of encouragement. Anyone can pay for somebody's training or trip or at least contribute to it. We never get too old to improve ourselves in some way. On our recent vacation, I was reading a leadership book. That's what you do when you're on vacation, right? Right? We were on vacation. I was reading a leadership book. My wife said to me, you have an entire bookshelf full of leadership books that you have read. And she asked me, she said, how many leadership books are you going to read? I held up the leadership book and I said, at least one more. (laughs) See, true leaders are lifelong learners. See, it's never too late to improve ourselves in some way. Oh, the disciples said, we can't do it now. It's too late in the day. We waited too long. And besides that, it's not our worry. Not our worry. Verses 31 through 33, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. Say alone. But when the people saw them leaving, they ran along the shore and got there ahead of them. Never had that happen to me. 
Never gone home after service and had a bunch of people sitting on my doorstep waiting for me to preach some more. And if you do that, I do have a garage door opener, and I will just go on in, and I will pull the garage down, because when I'm done today, I'm done. My name is not Jesus. Amen. No doubt the disciples thought, this is not our problem. We didn't invite these people out here. In fact, in fact, we were trying to get away from these people for a while. What they were saying was, each man for their own. Ah, oh, it's not our worry, but Jesus said, you give them something to eat. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure this morning all of us have people in our lives that we would love to run away from. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Don't look around. <laughs> Oh, no doubt all of us have people in our lives. We would love to tell them, you made your bed, now sleep in it. You created your own problem, now solve it. And that's what the disciples were thinking. Man, we, we're in for a little R&R. We're going to have our sabbatical. One of them said, send the multitudes away. Tell them to go home. Jesus looked at the disciples. He said, you give them something to eat. You help them. Our excuse is, I can't do it now. It's too late. I'm too old. Maybe I could have done something earlier, but but I can't do it now. And besides, it's not my worry. We're talking about The three excuses the disciples used for not wanting to meet the need at hand, these three excuses have become common today. The first one is, we can't do it here. I remember many, many years ago when my wife and I were traveling as evangelists. I remember going to a certain church, and man, we just had great revival. I mean, the, the, the house was packed every single night. It was a little community, and buzzword was, man, down that little assembly there in revival, and they got that young couple down there. Man, they are singing. Man, they're good singers. I told you it was a long time ago. Man, they're singing every night, and that little, little preacher, man, he's just a ball of fire, man. He's just full of fire, and, and man, and, and so people were packing that little church out every single night, and people were getting saved, and people were getting revived, and people were getting blessed, and, and then people from the surrounding areas started to come to the church for revival. And I remember one day I'm standing there talking to a couple of ladies from a, from a, from a town, just a couple of towns away from where I was at. And, and they said, man, they said, we've heard about this revival. We've heard about things are going so good and so awesome here. And man, we're so excited about what God's doing here and all this stuff. And I said, listen, what you don't understand is I said, I'm going to be in your church in two weeks. I'm going to be in your church. We're going to hold a revival in your church in about two weeks. And they looked at each other and they looked at me and they said, Well, don't expect what's happening here to happen there. It can happen here, but it it ain't going to happen over there. (laughs) What were they saying? They were saying, we can't do it here. 
Second excuse, we can't do it now. Timing's all wrong. Oh, oh if only it was a better timing off. We'd only started earlier. Oh, if only I'd have started a little bit earlier in my life. Maybe I could do it, but I can't do it now. It's just too late. I've waited too long. Can't do it here. Can't do it now. Third excuse they said was, we can't do it with what we have. Can't do it with what we have. Matthew 14, verse 17, the disciples said to Jesus, we only have, say only have. have. Listen, if you start the sentence with only have, we only have, you're in trouble. The disciples said to Jesus, we only have here five barley loaves and two fish. We only have, that's all we have. Oh, if only we had more to work with. Yeah, if only we had more to work with. How many times has this excuse been used? Oh, if I only had the personality of Pastor Sean. Everybody loves Pastor Sean. I wish I had his personality too, but I also have to help him find his keys. So we need Pastor Sean around because he's so much fun. But we need the bulldog around also to find the keys. Oh, if I only had more energy. Oh, if I was more like the Energizer Bunny. Oh, if I just had some more energy. Oh, if only I had more resources. That's it. If I only had more money. Oh, if only I had more resources. Oh, if I only had more education. If I only had more training. Oh, oh, I just can't do it with what I have. If I just had more to work with. Jesus' response, go through the crowd and gather up all the resources that we have. See, see, Jesus always starts with us with what we have. See, See, he already knows our limitations when he calls us and gives us our assignment. He already knows what the, our limitations are. See, see, God knew Moses had a speech impediment when he called him. And he knew Gideon lacked confidence when he called him. And evidently the apostle Paul wasn't too gifted a public speaker when God called him. When we say, I can't do it with what I have, I, I might do it if I had more to work with. That's just an excuse. Stop making excuses. Just do it. See, here's what I've come to know, and that is God doesn't need a lot. He just needs something. We we think if I only had more, but God doesn't need more. All he needs is what you've got. And that's all he'll ever ask you for is what you have. God, if I had more, if I had more, I'd give you more. God says, I know what you have. I knew what you had before I ever asked you. I'm not asking you to have more. I'm just asking you to give me what you've got. See, God doesn't need a lot. He just needs something. And let me repeat what I have said before and I, uh, because I want you to get it. And that is the supernatural. Say supernatural. 
The supernatural is just God's super added to our natural. Did you know that that God is looking for a partner to do the supernatural with? Did you know that God doesn't do the supernatural all by himself? Did you know that God needs us in order to do the supernatural? Because he's got the super, but he's looking for our natural. And only when we give God our natural, only then does he take our natural, add his super to it, and then we enjoy the supernatural. It is a joint effort. The disciples said, Lord, all we have here is five loaves and two fish. Oh, they looked down at the little bit that they had, and then they looked up at the multitude of people, and then they said, five loaves of bread and two small fish. They said, but what are they? What are they among so many? And I love what Jesus said. Jesus said, give them to me. Give me what you have. Stop making excuses why it cannot be done and just give me what you have. I'm not asking you for what you don't have. I'm not asking you for anything except what you already have. If you'll just give me what you have, just give what you have to me. Give me, the, give me your natural and I will add my super. And together we are going to experience the super natural. But our excuse is, if, oh, oh, if I only had more, if I only had more to work with, Jesus says, Jesus says to us, you don't need more. Just give me what you have. Give me your natural. Let me add my super Our excuse is we can't do it with what we have. Oh, we say if, if we just had a different method. Only had another method. Now, I understand that methods are important. I also understand that the methods of yesterday may not work today. See, we need to understand that the message is sacred, but the method is not. Did you know that today's contemporary will be tomorrow's traditional? And what we call traditional today was considered contemporary when it was first introduced. What we call old traditional hymns today were called contemporary and were very controversial when they were first introduced. Oh, we can't do it with what we have, we say. Oh, oh, if we only had a different method, if only we had a different method, but that's just an excuse. Let me tell you this morning that if the method is the problem, then tweak the method or develop a new method. I love, love the story, true story of Alden Strait. Alden Strait was a 73-year-old man from Iowa who had a real deep desire to visit his ailing brother on the other side of the state. Problem was, no one was willing to drive him 
across the state to his brothers, and he couldn't drive a car himself because his eyesight was too bad, uh, which made him unable to read road signs if he was traveling uh, over 20 miles an hour. So Mr. Strait, true story, Mr. Strait rode his riding lawnmower 240 miles across the state of Iowa to go be with his brother. One method wouldn't work for him, and so he used a different method. Now, I think I would have just rode the bus and called a cab. But whatever works for you. The point is, this morning, he didn't allow the method to become his excuse. Several years ago, God called me to a very, very difficult assignment. Assignment where I would have to walk away from something very significant and go start something from scratch. And when the Lord spoke to me, initially, initially I was excited And initially I said, yes, Lord, I'll go do it. Oh, it'll be fun. And then I began to think about what all it would entail and how much it would cost. You're walking away from a church of over 300. You're walking away from a nice, comfortable salary. You're walking away from a beautiful home on a golf course. You're going to a place you've never been in your life. Nobody's waiting on you down there that you know of. There's no building, there's no people, there's no money, there's no structure, there's no programs, there's no equipment. And all of a sudden, I began to vacillate. I began to think about what it all was going to cost. One day, I was in turmoil. I was turmoil trying to work through this. I'd already announced that I was going. (laughs) Let me tell you how to do it. Announce it early. (laughs) Then you don't want to be embarrassed, so you just go do it. Amen. But actually, the window of opportunity to come back and get all that stuff back was given to me. Come on back. And I'll never forget the same voice that I heard that told me to go. And then when I began to get in dirt turmoil and began to agonize about what or whether or not I was going to go through this or not, That same voice, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, the devil will make sure you have an excuse not to go. Right then and there, I drew the the line in the sand, had my Popeye moment, and never looked back. The title of this series is Just Do It. There's some things we need to stop doing. We've talked about those. We need to stop blaming. We need to stop complaining. We need to stop making excuses. Good news about this series is the negative, the negative is behind us now. Two sermons ahead of us is what we need to start doing, all right? The takeaway for the message today, and don't forget about the takeaway. And that is, and I've already told you, but Satan will provide us with an excuse not to do something. We need to stop making excuses and start making an effort. 
And here's what you need to get from this message today, and that is it's not so much about where we are. It's not so much about what we, are, what we have to work with. It's about who we include in the process. Jesus said, bring them here to me. Give me what you have. Would you stand with me in his presence this morning? Father, I thank you for your word today. God, I believe there's someone here this morning. Maybe there are several someones here today. God, they, Lord, they, they, they continually make excuses why they can't do this or they can't do that or they can't do something else. God, I pray today will be the day they just stop making excuses. Today will be the day when they draw the line in the sand and they just say, no more excuses. I'm going to give the Lord what I have and I'm going to let Him add His blessing to it. He's going to take it like He did the loaves and the fish. He, he blessed it, He broke it, and He gave it. Oh, and the multitude were fed and there was an abundance left over, 12 baskets full left over. I'm just going to give the Lord what I have. I'm going to ask Him to, to bless me. I'm going to ask Him to break me. I'm going to ask Him to give Give me, and, I, and with his blessing upon what I give him, it'll be enough. It'll be enough. It'll be enough. It'll be enough.